This is Jared SBS from Sleeping Bag Studios, and you're listening to Make a Scene Canada on Pacific Northwest Radio. Happy Tuesday night, everyone. This is Sherelle Jardine, and this is Make a Scene Canada on Pacific Northwest Radio. I'm a proud Canadian sharing the songs and stories of our Canadian musicians. Make a Scene Canada is sponsored by Zed Productions. Zed Productions is a full-service production company offering the best studios and services to suit your project and budget. From producing to recording and mixing, contact Sheldon Zaharko at sheldonzaharko.com. If you love the show and like to donate to Make a Scene Canada, please visit pacificnorthwestradio.com, click at the top right where it says Contribute, and then click on Become a Patron, and then you have a few options from there. On the bottom, you can make a custom pledge and donate whatever you like, or there's a few fun tiers. Shout out. That's $1 a month, and you get a shout out on your favorite podcast. Rockstar, it's $20 a month. You get a shout out on your favorite podcast and get one minute of airtime on each episode of your favorite podcast. And Wowzers, $100 a month. You can become an official sponsor of any one of our five podcasts or online radio station. There is a lot that goes into running this station and its podcasts. And while we bring it to you for free, we could use some support to keep it running and growing. Any contributions, no matter how small, are appreciated. If you are interested in advertising with the station or Make a Scene Canada, please get in touch. Our email is pacificnorthwestradio at gmail.com. And in the subject line, put Make a Scene Canada or Pacific Northwest Radio, or perhaps one of our other programs, and you can find them all on pacificnorthwestradio.com. If you miss a show, you can find it on demand, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Right now, while you're listening to the show, find us on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Make a Scene Canada. We also have a group page, Make a Scene BC, where you can post your upcoming gigs. Give the station a like on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pacific Northwest Radio. Jeremy Gladstone is a musician and owner of Sleeping Bag Studios out of Ottawa. He's a music journalist. He's a podcaster, a blogger produces videos and writes bios, press releases. He's pretty much a one-stop shop for all your artist needs. Hello. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing good. Awesome. Thanks for being on yeah. Make a Scene Canada today. Hi, you're more than welcome. Thank you for having me. I want to start by saying this, that people may not know that you're my son-in-law, and I have to say I am super proud of you watching you grow Sleeping Bag Studios over the past decade, which is now out of Ottawa. Thank you so much. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I want to start off this interview by saying something really fun. Uh, Your dad was talking to me last night. I asked him, actually, if there was a fun memory that he could say of the two of you when you were growing up, and he asked me to tell you to say something about a CD rack. (laughs) Oh, did he? Yeah, he would. Uh, he was referring to a moment in time when uh, I was living with him growing up, and I was sitting there probably alone in the house at like 1 o'clock in the morning or something, and I had no idea he was even awake. And he had crawled like on his stomach down the stairs of our house, through the kitchen, around the dining room, and he started pushing a CD rack like just slowly, inch by inch, until it caught my eye at like 1 o'clock in the morning. And if you can imagine, if you can imagine just being alone and watching something move in your house without an explanation, like an idea of what uh, kind of 
uh, what's the word for it? Fear. Fear, fear. would be the word for it. Yes. Yeah, that, that sense of terror, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful, Dad. Wonderful, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys had lots of fun moments, though, I'm sure, growing up, both of you being musicians. Well, it's funny, you, were, you know, that, that you were asking him for one of those things because I was trying to think of one myself. Oh, and, okay. uh, you know, you can, you can ask him at some point if you like, if he knows anything about, uh, I think the names are Burlington Birdie and Accrington Stanley. Are you familiar with those? I am not. No, okay. Well, I'll tell you the story. You can talk to him about it later. But Okay. Basically, it comes from a CD by our disc by the uh, band called the Water Boys, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the only spoken word pieces that I that I think is on that record. But it's it's either uh, three days long or it's extremely long. One of those two, I can tell you. But he used to uh, put it on repeat when he'd leave the house in the morning. Uh-huh. So basically, I would get up sometime at like noon or whatever, and all of a sudden, I'd be hearing voices in the house. <laughs> and it would be because he left this never-ending conversation on there for me to freak me out all the time. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Way to go, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to go way back. When did music find itself in your life? That oh, your passion, your passion for music? Uh, yeah. Um, that's a great question. I mean, like you said, I, I've obviously I grew up listening to music. I grew up with a you know musically inclined household, musical parents. Mm-hmm. But as far as myself goes, I would probably say somewhere probably around like twelve or thirteen. I think that was when it really started to become like uh, about as necessary as oxygen. And you know that was when I was starting to pick up my own albums for for myself. I mean, I guess I had been buying tapes since I was probably about eight years old. But, um, yeah, it was probably about 12, 13, somewhere in there with the switch to CDs. I think that was where uh, everything just kind of became next level serious. And, and it was like I had to read every set of liner notes. I had to know about every band. I had to know about every side project, all of that kind of stuff. Wow, that's, that's a long time. And then what was your journey like? Uh, what were your first instruments that you played? First instruments that I played were, uh, I started on guitar, which was actually handed down to me by my mom. And uh, that that guitar actually had two strings on it. It yeah. had a chipped headstock. Um, it had, I believe, of the two strings that were on it, you could only keep one of them in tune for about two seconds long. Mm. And that was, believe it or not, the same guitar that I used to join my first band. Oh my God. Um, which, yeah, actually tells you something about how good they were. <laughs> um, it, was a, it was a pretty much, it was a nightmare of a band for sure. We were called Oblivion Street. We were just a bunch of high school kids and they already had a band. It was, you know, they were doing their thing. They were looking for somebody else to kind of strengthen the sound. I don't know how they thought a two string guitar player would do it. Um, <laughs> and I don't think they figured that out either. So they uh, basically allowed me to join the band, but on the condition that I got a new guitar right away. Nice. So uh, I did that. And then I think I went from that to drums, from that to bass, and then uh, mostly to electronic kind of stuff. And then for the most part now, I just sing. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And then who are your musical influences, the first bands that actually you went, yeah, this is it? Absolutely got to be The Cure and R.E.M. 
Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. Those two have been coincidentally around just as long as I've been alive, um, or at least the cure is. I guess they're considered to still be going, but R.E.M.'s retired. But uh, mm-hmm. those would be the first two bands that I kind of ever heard that I was like, this isn't just verse, chorus, verse. This is doing something different. This is combining poetry and art and music in a way that I hadn't heard before. And in a way that seemed like it was um, not really thinking about trying to pull people in necessarily, just so much as expressing themselves as artists. And I think that was a, a totally unique thing for me. Most of the time, I think you can hear that effort in the writing. I think you can hear that effort in, in how the songs come out in trying to pull people in towards it, that pressure to make a hit that used to be in the industry so mm-hmm. much back in the day. Um you know, and those bands kind of seemed to go past that. They were like, we're going to do our own thing. If you like it, cool. There's room on the bandwagon for you. If you don't, hey, no problem. You're welcome to go your own way. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And yeah. then uh, first concert you ever saw. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Man, and I want everybody listening to know how proud of that I truly am. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> no, true. Uh, it was actually what I don't understand about it. And, and it's so far back now, and I'm so old that I don't really remember. Um, but I was eight years old. Wow. And, and it was actually at the Commodore Ballroom. So explain that one to me, because I don't, what? I don't know of, yeah, I don't know of eight-year-olds being allowed into the Commodore now. No. I certainly don't remember it happening back then, but I have absolutely a complete memory of exactly how it went down. I can remember that cheesy rubber masks that they brought out on stage for their backup dancers, all kinds wow, of stuff. That's and crazy. it definitely happened. So who took you to that? I don't that? really know how. Do you know who took you? Uh, that, that was actually my mom back in the day. Your mom. Um, yeah, you know, so I mean, <laughs> maybe it was one of those things like a, like a rated R movie. Maybe because she was there, I was allowed to get in or something. I have no idea. Oh, no. So maybe it was like an all-ages thing for that one yeah. particular show or something. But yeah, It might have been, but, you know, I, I've been looking ever since then. And that's like, I've never seen an all-ages show at the Commodore. No. Do they actually have them? No, I've yeah, never heard I of it. I have no idea. I think she so, hid you, you know, in your I'm, coat. <laughs> and she might have, you know. I know I was growing facial hair at an early age, but that seems a bit too early to <laughs> A little too young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, what were the other bands? You've been in a few bands. Uh, yeah, I've been in a couple of projects. Um, one is known as Balls Deep and Your Stepmom. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been around for about 20 years off and on. Uh, it's just me and my buddy. And it's more or less just a hobby. It's never been a serious thing. Um, we make some decent tunes, but it's not like that was ever my intention on how I was going to be a part of the music scene in general. So I've also done solo projects, uh, one called Dyslexia, spelled backwards, so clever, right? Awesome. Um, and another one called The Cellophane Heart, which is probably the closest project to myself personally. Okay, cool. And yeah. can people find uh, your music online too? Oh, yeah. Okay, Yeah, cool. yeah. They just got to type those bands in. Mom at Bandcamp or The Cellophane Heart at Bandcamp.com, all that kind of stuff. We're okay. Okay, Awesome. So I read on your website, and this is, I believe that you wrote it, you won't find anyone as passionate about all types of music as I am, and I believe that to be true, absolutely, because I've watched the bands, Jeremy, that you've promoted on your website, and it's all over the map, uh, genre-wise. And so when you listen to music, at, mm-hmm. like your downtime, what's your go-to now? Ah, great question. Um, you know, and I've actually been thinking about this a lot because uh, I find that my downtime 
is actually spent in the mainstream now, which is the strangest kind of uh, role reversal, I guess, is you know, in terms of where I started listening mm-hmm. to music was all mainstream, you know, and then where I where I kind of progressed as I moved on into my teenage and twenty years were all like independent um, labels like sub pop, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. underground bands, that kind of thing. But what I didn't understand was that later on when I'd move into Sleeping Bag Studios, that there's a an underground and an independent scene that's underground and more independent than what we knew. Hmm. And and that really came along with the, you know, the the boom of the internet and everybody being able to put their music out there online. That's kind of what allowed everybody to, you know, open up the doors in terms of of just how much we could listen to. So that's what I guess I technically do for work is is I'm I'm in the independent scene. So I find now in my time off when I just want to chill out and not really critically examine music, I actually listen to mainstream stuff because I don't have to give an opinion on it, ah, if that makes any sense. It totally yeah. does. Okay, interesting. So a band that would pop out of your head right now just to say a name? Cigarettes After Sex. Okay. I don't know the 100%. band. 100%. Awesome. Gotta check these guys out. Um, I guess they'd be categorized as dream pop. They are probably considered at least mainstream or on their way to being in the mainstream. Um, my wife would tell you it's about the sleepiest music known to mankind, <laughs> and uh, she's not necessarily wrong. I'll give that to her, but it is absolutely beautiful stuff, oh. and I highly recommend checking that out. Okay, I'm going to check it out because it sounds like something I'd totally get into. Oh, it's amazing. Good stuff. Okay. Let's talk about Sleeping Bag Studios now. So again, I'm stealing this off your website. It began with a hole being created in between a room and a house and a garage. The window was installed, (laughs) studio gear was brought in, and it was just as they said it would be. If you build it, they will come. And you know what? Indeed, they have every genre, artist from every stage in their careers. And your mission statement is to inspire and encourage the independent music community until it overtakes the mainstream. I love yes. it. I love it. So what year did you yeah. start Sleeping Bag Studios? Uh, technically, it would have been 2012. Okay. And uh, yeah, the story's correct. Um, my wife had one condition when we got married, um, believe it or not, and that was to be able to park in the garage. Mm-hmm. And I completely took that away from her. <laughs> 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 by sealing up the garage so that it couldn't even be opened. Hmm. Uh, I wasn't doing it to be mean, of course. I was just pursuing my dreams. And, uh, yeah, we punched a hole in the wall. We put a window in it. This is back when we were still in British Columbia. And uh, that's kind of how Sleeping Bag Studios was born right there. Yeah, correct as well is the whole idea of being uh, open to just about every... Well, no, we are open to every style of music. I can't think of one that I've ever turned away or that I've ever said no to Mm. Um, because I am generally interested in everything that's happening out there. And there's always an aspect of music that I think uh, can speak to you on some level. And I think that the, the real key to that is to try and put yourself into the artist's situation or, or what they what their intentions or ambitions might have been with any given song or album. If you can kind of clue into that or or tap into that emotion somehow, then you can really start to connect with the people that you listen to and, and hopefully that you get to meet or talk to you one day. Mm-hmm. Your website is amazing, sleepingbagstudios.ca. Let's talk about some of the services that you offer. Sure. Um, 
for the most part, I mean, you could look at us as a, a music blog of, of sorts. Um, you know, I consider myself a, a music journalist, but really at the end of the day, we're a music site that probably takes itself too seriously uh, because music really does matter to us. That's that's the whole thing. That's why we're invested in, in what we do or what I do personally. So, you know, I do everything from music reviews, which are critical examinations uh, of an album, or a song or a single or whatever it is. Um, and with regard to those, I would say the most uh, important element of what we do is that we're we're honest. We mm-hmm. listen to the music, which is such a novel concept, right? I mean, <laughs> no who would have thought this would be such a big deal? But in truth, it really is. I've watched dozens of uh, reaction videos, which I think are insane. Uh, I can't even understand or get my head around those. Um, because, you know, not only do I know for a fact that it's really tough to find somebody out there in the journalism world that will listen to your music uh, and give an honest opinion on it to begin with, but reaction shots, if you've ever seen those videos on on YouTube or whatever, they're uh, even harder to get something real out of people. So I think, you know, when it comes to finding a place um, that will give you that feedback that you're looking for, that your music deserves... That's kind of what sets us apart from the rest. Um, in addition to that, we do things like video interviews, audio interviews, written interviews. I provide insight into people's recordings. I uh, What else do I do? Biographies, news posts, you name it. Pretty much we're there to help in some way if we can. Mm-hmm. And that's the best thing. Um, when people go to the website, just to go on the services page and it's just like, you know, there's so much that you do at Sleeping Bag Studios for artists, and it's, yeah, it's really wonderful. Well, we try and keep it accessible for people because I think it is um, it is a natural thing to kind of come up against that brick wall as an artist or band in today's world where you're wondering kind of where it is that you can get that help. I don't want to say exposure because I don't, I try to stay as far away from that word as possible. It will kill you. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly, right? And it doesn't feed you either, as no. far as we know. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I try and stay away from, from that kind of clickbait kind of stuff. That's not mm-hmm. really what this has ever been about. Very similar to those bands that I was telling you about that I grew up on that were like, this is how we do things, and if you like it, great. The site is kind of the same way in that respect. Um, you know, I hope people identify with what we do. It certainly seems like they have been. Um, you know, we've seen growth over the last eight years, which has been fantastic. Um, would I like it to be more? Of course. Who wouldn't want to dominate the world? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I'm happy with being patient. And uh, most importantly, I think the, the difference between us and why we're still around in comparison to a lot of people that, that already aren't from when we started uh, is just that we have that that genuine concern for the scene, and we want to help take care of it and be a part of it, and, and help it grow as best we can. Create that sense of community, yeah, much exactly. like make a scene, like make a scene Canada for sure. You know, yeah. there's there's a lot of people out there that that do believe in artists and, and what they're doing, and what they have to say, and it's really nice to have a place where people can go and and discover new artists, and and certainly on your website, there's so much. I mean. My God, <laughs> it's crazy. Music <laughs> yeah. reviews, interviews, you have the network. Yeah. Tell me about your podcast. Uh, the podcast is kind of uh, an interesting little project that that kind of fell into my lap, more or less. Uh, back in 2000, and, ooh, I want to say 2015-ish. Yeah, that's probably the right one. 
Um, there was a, a really good friend of mine named Ryan that used to work uh, at Sleeping Bag Studios when we were still in BC. And um, I hadn't been doing podcasts at that point. He pitched it out to me. He was like, what if I kind of you know ran this? What if I kind of developed it? What if I kind of got it started? And he did a fantastic job with it. And we kind of handled it as a duo for the first year. And then, of course, Sleeping Bag Studios up and moved to the complete opposite side of Canada. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, Ryan isn't a part of the show anymore. And, and the podcast kind of morphed into... Um, I would say more of a more of a passion project because it's not. Um, I wouldn't say the podcast is like an, uh, a necessary part of the business so much as it is just a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I get a chance to talk about the music that really moves me out there in the scene. I get to introduce a whole new audience to a whole new bunch of artists and bands. And you know, when it comes right down to it, the ability to do that in today's world is just like never-ending joy for me. It's like being able to hand somebody a mixtape or a mix CD or whatever it was that you used to do back in the day. But you can do that instantly now online just through something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I scroll through the internet, much like you or anybody else, I'm sure, uh, you're going to read thousands of comments about how there's no good music out there these days. How it was so much better back in the day. Yeah, oh yeah. And, I, you know, it becomes the responsibility of places like uh, Sleeping Bag Studios like Make a Scene Canada to be able to introduce those new artists, that new generation to the new generation of people that are listening. Yeah. You know, and and that it's you know responsibility is probably a heavy word to to put on it, but like I said, we're we're a site that takes itself too seriously, and that's kind of how we approach it. And, you know, I think it is. Um, you know, basically, my goal would be to never see one of those posts about how there's no good music out there anymore today in the world. Because if you're on my wall, what the heck are you doing saying that? You should know all yeah. kinds of different stuff from what we're doing at Sleep Mag Studios, right? Absolutely. I know it kills me. I think it might be a generational thing because I, I noticed I the baby so. boomers, they don't, they're kind of set in their way. Like, and, and that's kind of people, you know, late mid fifties, I guess, and over. And, and they're used to like Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and they never got out of that. And they, they don't even want to introduce themselves to new music. It seems some, For them, sure. some, you know, sure. absolutely will, but you know, yeah, so. well, we're, you know, we're generalizing of course, mm-hmm. but I mean, like when you're, when you think about it, so only so many people know where to go mm-hmm. and they trust things like Rolling Stone and they trust Spin Magazine and, yeah. and you know, no, no knock against them. They've obviously been in the game for years and years and they do what they do, but they're only going to really introduce you to what's being currently funneled through the music system, which is, you know, big dollar acts that are being, you know, paying copious amounts of money for the publicity yeah. or they're going to, you know, keep on, reliving the heyday basically and reminding you of the bands that you knew and loved as as time went on which is great but it doesn't help anybody with what's out there right now and i think that's kind of the whole goal in terms of what we post on our site is we want to establish that trust with people like hey this is where you can go to get an honest opinion whether you agree with it or not that's fine uh you know you may or you may not but here's what's out there and what's happening today and you can trust us to to get that new information out to you now. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. You have got a really poetic, thoughtful way of putting together a bio. Your words flow sometimes like butter and sometimes like molten lava. Always complimenting <laughs> the band though, right? I love 
like the work that you did for Stone Poets and Head Music. And if anybody is interested in just checking out those two, definitely go uh, stonepoets.ca and headmusic.ca. And I wanted to pass something to you. I was talking to a band manager the other day, connecting oh, yeah? with him and the possibility of working with Stone Poets. And he asked, who wrote your bio? And I told him that it was you and he absolutely loved it and said that it was extremely well-written. Oh, right on. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for helping spread the word. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, like, seriously. We all stick together. Yeah, bands listening. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of musicians that listen to the show. Please get in touch with Jeremy. Um, definitely bio. Uh, just if that's the only thing you need to get done, definitely talk to you about it. And uh, Hey, I, I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I know you're really busy, but I'm sure that you can fit people in. So just get on that website and, and get in touch with him. Do that. Yeah. Now, what advice can you offer artists that are trying to make a name for themselves? As we both know, Jeremy, it's super competitive industry. Everybody can record at home now. Everybody's vying for people's attention on the internet. So what can you offer people to get above the noise? Integrity. Um, I think that's, that's kind of the number one priority of what we do, you know, in terms of what integrity actually means and how you define it. I mean, that's giving it your all. That's putting everything you got into everything you do all of the time, no exceptions. And for us, that's really what we bring to every single project we put ourselves into. Um, you know, whether it's a music review or an interview or, or, you know, music video biography, doesn't matter. Uh, we put 100% into everything that we do. And I think that in terms of what advice I can give uh, artists or bands out there when it comes to getting their own music out there, you know, again, I was recently reading the, um, the story of Sub Pop Records, and they talked a lot about how kind of... Um, you can't really always expect the, the scene to just kind of fall into place, obviously. Some things you have to make happen for yourselves. And, and when I look at a place like Sub Pop Records, they're that level above the independent scene, but they still manage to get the word out on an, a ton of bands and artists. And, and how do they do that? They push, they push, they push, and they push. Even in their own uh, biography, they were willing to acknowledge, like, what is it that, that we do? to promote our artists or whatever. And when you look at it, the industry got leveled out in, in a completely unique way. Like you said, when it opened up, every mainstream band, every artist, uh, every independent artist or band, we all use the same platforms now. It's all Spotify. It's mm -hmm. all uh, Bandcamp or SoundCloud or whatever it is. It's one of those online services out there and that completely leveled the playing field. So what makes that difference, again, between what a what say a, a a label could do for you versus what you can do for yourself. The only difference is effort. The difference is in the effort and how relentless you are. Mm -hmm. And if you're out there and you're pushing every single day, if you're making fifty phone calls, if you're sending out a hundred emails, it sounds like work, and it is. Mm -hmm. um, you know that's the the nuts and bolts of it. It truly is work. But that's what they're doing on their uh, on on say uh, a label's end. You know, they're still using those same mediums and those same methods that you are. They're just pushing harder. So push. Push. Push with everything you got. Awesome. Is there anything else that you want to talk about, Sleeping Bag Studios, that I didn't get into? One thing that we got going on with the site right now um, is we're putting out uh, what's called, what we've called SBS Separated, which is uh, basically 
some select music videos and things that have meant something to us um, from the past. Who knows how long? I think this goes pretty much right back to the very beginning days in the set that we're putting out all through March. So right now at the site, there's a brand new uh, video every day that we've shot directly from some live show or some performance that we've seen throughout the past uh, seven or eight years or so. And uh, some recuts and some favorites and, you know, just lots of stuff that we haven't shown before. So I'm super stoked about that because there's uh, actually a good mix of we've got some independent and I've checked out some mainstream acts as well that I've thrown in there as well. So. Who knows? Some of those guys respond, and it's really cool when they do. I think, um, you know, when it comes to supporting each other, I think you can see that by the bands that are out there and engaged with their fans online. So, uh, for example, the Canadian band Rusty, uh, we went to their show recently here in Ottawa in December. We posted up a couple of videos, and, you know, it's not like it's a huge thing on their end or anything, but they gave it a thumbs up. You know, it's that kind of stuff that kind of encourages you. And same thing with the band uh, Illiterate Light. Highly recommend checking out those guys. They're making massive waves right now. Okay. And uh, same thing. They're super interactive online. You can actually, you know, you can reach out to them. I bet they'd respond kind of kind of band. So, you know. Awesome. I think uh, that kind of stuff is what you always want to be striving for. Um, just establishing that connection with your audience is going to make all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. YouTube, how important do you think it is for a band to have a, a video that they can try and make go viral? Uh, I know uh, right now, you know, it's like everybody says, you have to have a video, you have to have a video. Yeah. So it's, and you know what? I'm not going to disagree. Yeah. Um, I said, because uh, I don't feel like I have any option but to agree when mm-hmm. it comes right down to it. I think it's important. Um, you know, I think... I think you just have to keep your your expectations realistic. You know, I think people need to really, again, don't don't look for the end results. Love the journey to get there, because we're we're in this culture where if you don't secure a million views overnight, you're not a success. I know. Well, first of all, those million views, I can guarantee you, chances are they're not really a million actual people. Uh, anybody behind the scenes kind of knows how numbers can be manipulated and whatnot. And I don't, you know, honestly, when you look at uh, a brand new independent band release a song and within a week it's got over a million views and you go back and say, look at one of your favorites from the 90s or the 2000s, like an established mainstream band, go check out one of their big hits and it's got less than a million already. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you you see that disconnect, like it's, it's kind of one of those things where you have to really be careful with what with what you're projecting. And I think when it comes to the independent scene, it's really important to remember that, you know, I'm not going to deny that there's bands out there that probably, you know, pump their numbers way up one way or the other. But I know that happens. Everybody does, I think. But at the end of the day, just remember, you got to be consistent if you're going to do it. So if you start that, that whole, you know, okay, we're going to put out a brand new video and we're going to give it a million hits so that everybody comes and listens to everything else that we do and your next video has only got like 50, (laughs) well, then all of a sudden that says a whole lot about your music, right? And I think, you know, in terms of that kind of stuff, people don't really look at, you know, how we would look at it as realistic individuals. When you're getting a a million hits on your YouTube video and you go and check out the band's Facebook page and they've got 85 fans. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, again, right, there's a huge disconnect. And, you know, sometimes... 
it's a lot easier for for us to see through it than I think bands and artists realize. And, and I think that they kind of tend to put a lot of stock in the number itself. And if the number's high, well, then that just equals success. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. And like I said, you always want that real feedback if you can get it. That's what's more important than any number. Any video is obviously going to help you with your own, uh, there's that word, exposure mm-hmm. out there on the on the Internet. And it is important. Um, you know, just realize that people are giving you their time when they're actually watching a video, when they're listening to a record. Um, you know, when there's this much music out there for somebody to spin your video twice or to listen to your record twice is an insane commitment. It seems like a small thing to people that love music, but for people that don't, that's a, that's a significant portion of their life. They actually mm-hmm. just devoted to you and your music. And that is an incredible thing. So, um, yeah, it's important. Don't think that the world's going to watch it overnight. Uh, be careful how much time, money you spend on it. Um, but everything helps. Even just an album cover with your song behind it, putting that on YouTube, it can be a big thing. Hey, well, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. So proud of you. I will be making a scene in Canada from this side here in the east. Awesome. Sending love all the way over there to the west.
You can check out Jer at sleepingbagstudios.ca for all your band needs. He is the real deal. And as you heard on this interview, he really cares about the artists that he works with. And that's tonight's show. Leave the station on 24-7. It's music online all the time. You can find your favorite programs at pacificnorthwestradio.com. And if you miss a show, go to our website and click On Demand or find us on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, plus a whole array of sites. It's all there waiting for you. Big shout out to our Magazine Canada sponsor, Sheldon Saharko from Z Productions. All you rock stars ready to record your new album or single, check out Z Productions at sheldonsaharko.com. The music that you're listening to right now is from my band Head, recorded with Sheldon. Tune in every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to Make a Scene Canada here on Pacific Northwest Radio to discover your next favorite Canadian artist. I'm Cheryl Jardine. You can find me and my band Stone Poets and Head on social media. Get in touch. I love hearing from you. Now take a few minutes out of your day and share artists, make a scene Canada and Pacific Northwest Radio on social media. Get out and enjoy live music. Bring your friends with you and share the experience. Together, let's make a scene in 2020. Bridging each connection.